podcast on Trump's pick, recorded on 7-11-2018. Donald Trump chose as his pick for the Supreme Court Brett Kavanaugh, a qualified judge and a protege of Anthony Kennedy. While a fine choice from a legal and conservative perspective, out of those on his list, it was not the ideal choice. Why would Trump pick him? As well as, aside from Trump picking him, why so public and why now? One of the reasons why, in my opinion, he's not the best is as much as the Democrats and the leftists are trying to portray him as some crazy extremist, some right-wing extreme, you know, extremist, when looking at his record from the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia and looking at his legal history, he actually is a moderate. While not as much of a swing vote as Kennedy, he's a moderate who will swing enough to the Democrat side. He's strongly opposed to overturning earlier Supreme Court rulings, even when they're wrong, which is horrible as, for instance, many horrible cases like Plessy v. Ferguson were overturned by later courts and his opposition to doing something that was decided by an earlier court is appalling. While he's pro-life, he's been, he's more full refused to overturn Road v. Wade by his own sayings, or his own said. While he has, in rulings, supported things such as preventing unattended minors without parental consent from being able to obtain abortions, which is what liberals want, he's not the most ideal case, and that's a problem with him. He has many other such issues. And... And that's one of the issues with him. Now, he's a, it's not that he's not qualified, and he is a strict constitutionalist. However, the main problem is he comes with a lot of baggage from his time working at Ken Starr, Bush administration, etc. He's a solid, okay choice, but he comes with that kind of baggage, which is not a good thing. And considering that the Democrats last time spent three years holding up his nomination before finally confirming him, Democrats will try to fight their hardest. The advantage now is, is when the Democrats had control of all three, House, Senate, and White House, in the first years under Obama, they changed the rules that you didn't need 60 senators, you merely needed a majority. And they prevented filibustering candidates. So they've screwed themselves over on this. And as David French points out, this is the safe pick for Trump. As Guy Benson points out, he's perfectly acceptable, but that's the problem.
Now, he has a lot of problems in his past. And while he is a constitutional originalist, some conservatives such as Ed Whelan have pointed out, you know, well, maybe, you know, it was pointed out that he is an outstanding conservative. People have noted that, you know, and you know, it's defended Kavanaugh from some of those who are accusing him of not being conservative enough. He did so in a great article in National Review. The problem with Whelan is, is he's ignoring many other aspects of Kavanaugh's record. Kavanaugh, while yes, has a great conservative record. And he has good, the problem is, is he's too much, I think, of willing to side with Democrats, well, with the liberals on the court, and he's too much of a risk. People forget that Republicans have posted is that Democrats are strongly opposing him, which is nothing new. Democrats opposed a staunch liberal, David Souter, because a Republican nominated him. Democrats, traditionally Republicans, have approved of any Supreme Court nominee as long as they were qualified regardless of their politics. Democrats have always tended to reject on politics, less on qualifications. And one of the things that, you know, um, uh, that worries me in his hearings is, is certain Democrats like Chuck Schumer, who have said for years, including just as short as 2017, that he would stand for the precedent of at least during questioning, not question how he would rule on future issues, has said that he will disregard nearly two centuries of tradition to push that. In fact, when people, in fact, when people have tried questioning in the past, it's been strongly frowned upon. But my main issue is, is while he's a conservative, he's too much of an establishment, too much of in the system. He is a good champion of religious liberty, and no one's denying that. However, In the 2011 Obamacare case in his federal circuit court, his ruling on the Affordable Care Act provided a legal framework for the Supreme Court. Now, yes, some defending him say, nah, that's not really true. The proof is in the wording. Now, it doesn't mean he's not qualified, and eminently so. The problem is, is he has that main issue of he's not the most, is that he's not ideally the most conservative. Now, some liberal organization decided to run a whole thing, decided to run an analysis ranked the most conservative and you know the most conservative nominee person as Clarence Thomas well they put Kennedy as slightly liberal and Roberts as slightly conservative Alito and Gorsuch the only problem is is that these kind of judicial things don't actually make sense the one by Axios for instance Justice Kennedy voted about 
55% of the time with Republicans. And they're not being very clear on how they, you know, dealt with the scores. Second of all, one of the other problems with Axios is, is they're not really fully explaining, they're not really fully explaining how they got to their numbers, being very vague. For instance, in terms of ideology, ideology in their writings, Alito is the most conservative. In fact, Clarence Thomas is the most libertarian and, in fact, has sided with the liberal justices when cases have had it more often than any of the others. What's even more so is Clarence Thomas, who they rank as the most conservative, has actually gone more than any other non-liberal justice in a 7-2 decision or a 7-3 or a 6-3 decision on the side of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And that's the thing. Axios's numbers doesn't make sense. And it you know, and it's just part of the typical thing on the left is the way to smear someone is just say they're too right wing. They're taking someone who ideologically is only slightly to the right of Kennedy, whose ruling and his judicial history is to the right of Kennedy, and trying to portray him as some right wing extremist. On hand to the Democrats, anyone to the left of Hillary Clinton is a right wing extremist. Now, even before he came in, the Democrats threw a hissy fit of going to be a poll, you know, a Opposing anyone. He, Trump opposed them. They went trashing all the nominees. Democrats weren't going to be on board, but remember. The problem is, is he's not as good a conservative as Gorsuch. He's not as good a conservative. He'll be closer to John Roberts, only more moderate. And that's the issue. And it makes me worried. Now, why is it the safe pick? Because he's, as much as Democrats could try to portray him as an extremist, he's not. And it'll be easier to convince the public by pointing out that he's responsible for a lot of moderate and left-wing judgments and that he's not that kind. Further, this is an election year. Three Democrats who voted for, broke with their party line and voted for Gorsuch are all up in elections this year in states that Trump won. In fact, there are many Democrats in states that Trump won, some like Claire McCaskill who look like they're going to lose. And voting against the Trump nominee in a state where Trump is popular is certain death for them. In fact, now the Democrats knee-jerk reaction even before has had some people like William McGurn at the Wall Street Journal so shocked that Democrats are waging an oil. He actually said, quote, about saying that what makes Durbin's call so striking is his frankness about losing position in his party is in. He recognizes what his party is gearing up to do, wage an all-out war on Brett Kavanaugh, on Monday, Nancy Pelosi sent out a fundraiser saying she will avenge Barack Obama by opposing Mr. Trump's then unannounced nominee, quote, if it's the last thing I do, end quote, may prove to come cost enough to cost some red state Democrats their Senate seats come December. 
10 Democrats incumbents are up for re-election in states Trump carried. And this is the issue. There are several, three Democrats who odds are will vote for it. Two, maybe three Republicans against. Odds are it'll pass. What's even more is, is one of the Democrats who originally was strongly opposing Kavanaugh has actually, in the past, has actually said he's open. And in fact, in these seats, where Democrats are up for re-election, anywhere from 56 to 68% in these key battleground states that Democrats are very close to, people believe that the Senate should confirm Trump's nominee. And these Democrat senators could seriously lose as they're already suffering from their opposition. So, for instance, we see in some states We see the Democrats. We see Democrats, for instance, in Indiana and Missouri, panicking now. Missouri, there's no way McCaskill will vote for this. But if she does vote against it, she will automatically lose. She's already in a very bad spot. So Trump is going with a candidate who will be easy to run in, but at the same time, Comes relatively moderate, so it'll make an easier impression come the midterm elections. It's a long time to the elections, and by running in someone who's more moderate, it will convince Democrats in those swing states that they could vote for it to justify to their party base without compromising their election. Therefore, Trump gets his victory. At the same time, while Trump now is heading off to a NATO conference, this has now provided a smokescreen distraction for the media so he could get real business done. And I think the timing is bad because it's more of just a political distraction stunt. While Trump did vet the candidates, I think it was a rush judgment. Kavanaugh is more Justice Kennedy's list on nominees to replace, not necessarily the best. Now, the person who I thought was the best choice was Amy Coney Barrett. Coney Barrett, brilliant lawyer, graduated from Notre Dame Law School, not one of the elite Ivies like some of the others, which is a very big plus in the modern world considering how much everyone went Harvard and Yale, and unfortunately, Kavanaugh is Harvard or Yale. You know, Tony Barrett showed how you could be a full-time mother and a full-time professional, something the liberals always talk about. Because of her religion, she's come under attack from the left who have tried using her devout Catholicism as a litmus test. She has a much better conservative voting record as a judge. And a much better record from a conservative. She also comes with none of the baggage going back to Ken Starr and the Bush administration that Kavanaugh has. And I honestly think she would have been the best choice. 
The next best choice, in my opinion, is Thomas Hardiman, who now has been passed up by Trump twice. He made it to Trump's top two for the first time and made it into Trump's top four this time. Hardiman went to Georgetown Law, top law school, once again, not the same Harvard Yale as everyone. Served as editor on the Law Review, brilliant record. But he came from a blue-collar background. He worked his way through law school, through undergraduate and law school, driving a cab. And that's, as well as later on, working at law firms in the summer during law school. But the fact that he went through his undergraduate by working a cab, it shows his blue-collar background. And he would have appealed to Trump's face, particularly in a lot of those swing states like Indiana or West Virginia, by taking a, someone from a blue-collar background to claw his way up to the top. One of them. And he has a long record, been since 2007, on the Third Circuit. And what's even more is he served alongside Trump's sister for many years, so he's well-known. But also at the same time, he was confirmed 95 support, zero against, five abstention. And the great thing about that means is, is all the Democrats would have trouble saying that they could oppose him because, simply because, they'd have to justify how they support him the last time. He's a much better um, record on religious freedom, gun rights. He also has a much better record on free supporting freedom of speech. He also has a much better record on immigration, where Kavanaugh is very black and white. Hardiman is very much an understanding of those fleeing persecution, such as in Gamades v. Attorney General, saying that seeking asylum from persecution of violence as well as the DDV case, where he said that people escaping religious persecutions of religions not normally considered persecuted because of the country it's in can be. And quite honestly, I actually think his more libertarian attitude towards immigration would be a lot better and actually easier to get through the courts. And honestly... He's the one who, while I liked better than Coney Barrett overall, based on legal record, a more established. I think Coney Barrett, I think because Hardiman's known as a bit more boring and plain, and the way the Democrats are planning on doing a colonoscopy-type hearing, he definitely wouldn't crack. But at the same time, he'd more just deflect think Coney Barrett would log heads with the Democrats and humiliate a number of their senior people in time for the election. Coney Barrett definitely would be a great replacement for the next justice down the line. But Hardiman for now. The other person who made it to Trump's top six but not top four is Amol Fapar, district judge. He has a great, he's from a West Coast law school. Berkeley School of Law, bit different, but still, once again, not a Harvard or Yale. 
extremely good legal record. He served as an assistant U.S. attorney with a brilliant and a U.S. and then was later a U.S. attorney. He has a brilliant record as a prosecutor. He's worked in defense one as a brilliant defense record. He's written some of the most brilliant articles I've ever come across on legal issues. He's a Midwesterner, rather than most of the others who are East Coast and West Coasters, seeing very much to the demographic Trump's going to try to do in the election. And he's had some very good and brilliant court cases. And uh, one of how, and I think he would have been a brilliant choice. Any one of these three, I think, would have been better than Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh definitely was one of the better choices. In fact, there were two other choices I would have put ahead of Kavanaugh. However, none of them were in Trump's top list. They were much, much further down. I think Trump should have gone Hardiman, Barrett, or Thapar. They would have had an easier compromise. Thapar and Hardiman would have had an easier process getting passed, would have had a much better conservative record. Coney Barrett would have had the thing of making the Supreme Court more balanced, male and female, to be, which I actually think is a good thing particularly since all the female justices are liberals, having a conservative point of view to argue on these type of leftist issues. The left always likes to say, oh, it's just a bunch of men. She would have given good for that. I think the reason why Trump picked who he did was because he knew the liberals. Kavanaugh comes in Democrats delayed him the first time for three years simply because of his connection to Ken Starr. He comes with a lot of baggage, which the media was digging up and putting out there. He's moderate enough that Trump could then appeal to them, the Democrats in some of those states and saying, see, look, they're opposing a moderate. It's an election strategy, but it's not as good an election strategy as Hardiman, Sewell, or Amy Barrett. However, the one thing this does is the only person who would have caused more of a media firestorm is Amy Barrett. Trump's picking this to be a distraction before he goes to NATO, and he's hoping it'll cause enough of a distraction from several other politics. I think Kavanaugh, while a highly qualified person, is only an okay candidate from a conservative perspective or a libertarian perspective. He's not the best choice, but he's a solid choice. But that Trump more picked him for the political benefits he brings as a distraction on his trip, getting the Democrats riled up, and as an election strategy. He is not the candidate who should be holding the spot. He's not the ideal candidate for the spot. And that perhaps at some point with everything getting held up, there's a chance somewhere in the process for him to drop out or something and that Hardiman, Coney Barrett, or Thapar come onto the court. However, if that doesn't happen, he will be fine. Not ideally, but fine enough. And when it comes to the Supreme Court,
the next justices possibly to go to replace I would have to say ideally those are the three Trump should consider for the position so I think going forward Trump should be a little smarter about picking his nominees on who will leave the best lasting legacy on the Supreme Court and best set up the political future rather than what's on the best politically for him at the moment thinking very short term Though, of course, Trump's not an actual conservative. He shares some conservative views, but he's pushed in a lot of liberal policies. He's a mix of left and right. He was a Democrat until fairly recently, and only a few years ago a big Hillary Clinton supporter. So the fact that he doesn't understand what goes into a good conservative or good conservative libertarian nominee is not surprising. And considering that Trump runs the White House like his real estate business, Short-term decisions is how he runs, except that unlike in real estate, he can't correct, he can't make another decision to replace this later if needed. As I said, it's a solid choice, it's an okay choice, but not the best choice. Next time we'll see what's in the news and discuss that.